0: Good morning, marketers, and welcome to the If You Market podcast brought to you by Mountaintop Data and Joto PR. We are the only podcast that markets the shit out of it. I'm Sky Cassidy, and today we'll be talking with Skylar Reeves of Ardent Growth about topic clustering and kind of how how to create content at scale with, with topic clustering and just what exactly that is even. So Skylar is the CEO and founder of Ardent Growth, where uh, they help B2B SaaS companies find a path to content marketing ROI through leveraging data, machine learning, and creativity. So I think a lot of overlap with what we're talking about today. Thanks for coming on, Skyler.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, Scott. I'm happy to be here, man.
0: So I, I want to get to you and your company a little bit more later. Let's jump straight into the topic. Clustering creates content at scale. Can you, can you tell the listeners what, what topic clustering even is? Yeah, so
1: I believe it was 2017 and HubSpot first released an article where they were talking about uh, topic clustering. And it was this notion that in order for you to compete well, you needed to kind of have a a central hub of content that covered uh, those like the broad topic. So if you're trying to write something about, I don't know, jet skis or something, right, then you might have around it all these various Questions and spoke terms that people may search for about the best jet skis or um, the safest jet skis, so on and so forth. And these, when you create that hub and you have these spokes that come off of it, these topics get clustered together. So, in a nutshell, the idea is to think about how you would create content that can interlink between one another and do it in an appropriate way that Google's not going to cannibalize uh where they've got where you've got two different pages competing against one another and neither one of them rank. um so, right oh so it seems the, almost
0: like in politics you have you have yep. three candidates two of them are in one party one in the other and the, these two just split the votes and and then you you know the other party ends up winning this is yes. if you have two pages your competition has one you're dividing the traffic kind of yeah and might okay the attention you
1: yeah, it's okay to do it sometimes. Whenever they're not competing with one another, uh, the inverse is true. If you have two pages and uh, they're competing for the same term, it is like splitting the vote in a primary, right? Another one of them wins. Um, well, especially the inverse- if
0: you're bidding on the uh, yes. the attention, like you you have yeah. uh, campaigns competing against each other, very uh, analogous to to the um, the political stuff, which is maybe why we have political parties. Is saying, hey, let's 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 agree ahead of time on one, so we don't keep dividing up our uh, our voter base.
1: Yeah, it's better to it.
0: So the content hub is like a political party, almost saying, "Let's let's consolidate this, decide ahead of time, um, and, and to make sure we're getting as much." Well, that's a terrible analogy because people are like, "Well, then I don't want to do that."
1: <laughs> right? Yeah. I would think of the hub as being like your table of contents, right? It's uh, it's 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 your version of Google for that page, right? Mm. People search for that, they land there, and they figure out where they want to go from there, how they want to explore the topic. So yeah, think of it like a table of contents.
0: So that's a great, much better analogy probably. So table of contents in that you have three products. You're not going to have multiple pages for each. You have one page for each. They're each listed once in the table of contents instead of a bunch of weird overlapping stuff going on.
1: Right, exactly.
0: Okay, now is is this primarily an SEO thing? Is this like keyword search? Can you clarify a little, like give an example maybe of uh of how this this works versus not
1: yeah so it's there's an overlap i think between seo and um and content strategy here uh they go in together so i think it starts with seo because everything pretty much related to content if you're trying to rank on search anyway if you're trying to rank on search engines starts with keyword research um so an example would be something like let's say you're a home finance or something like that and you're trying to rank for um various people looking to refinance to student loans.
0: Oh well, that's that's consumer let's get out of let's go with the software as a
1: service. Okay so look at uh, let's look at um, uh, expense templates right So QuickBooks let's say QuickBooks for example. So QuickBooks wants to rank for things like expense expense templates and expense um, like expense reports mm-hmm. right So what you have to do is you have to figure out, Should those two topics be covered in the same page or should they actually be two separate pages? And whenever you do topic clustering um, at scale across hundreds of thousands of keywords, you're able to figure out by looking at Google how you actually need to organize your content. So the easiest way to do it um, manually anyway is to bring up two windows in Chrome, search for each keyword, and look at the results that are ranking. Look at the actual URLs. If you see a high overlap of similarity between the URLs, odds are one page can rank for that term. If you see drastically different URLs ranking, odds are you need to create unique pages for each term. Um, doing that at scale where it gets typical Whenever you're trying to do it, you know across hundreds of thousands of pages, but that's so it's it,
0: it's kind of saying here's my keywords for this content for whatever content it is. Um, let me figure out if these keywords should be to get, you know clustered together or not and then for the content is this you typically which direction you work you say here's our content now let me figure out if this should be um i mean the content's one thing i guess you kind of have to do you figure this out before you make the content
1: well ideally but it, it's not always going to work that way right so if if you're starting uh say a new site or you're trying to go into a new sort of uh service offering with your company or something like that then you'd want to do your keyword research first figure out what your addressable market is for that subject map out your strategy in advance right how does it align with your business and and, and work your way back down to content if you're working with the pre-existing site you would want to evaluate how your site's currently ranking for all those keywords and then start to look where you have problem areas that you may want to consolidate pages together where you may want to um Refresh or revamp certain pages, or where you may want to completely cull and get rid of some pages um, if they're not providing any value to your business. So, is this is this?
0: Uh, I guess does it? Are we talking about SEO for um, just specifically for? regular search or does this also apply over when you're looking at your ads themselves because i know i mentioned i feel like i'm kind of blending the two together because i'm trying Mm -hmm. to understand it myself i did mention like your ads competing with each other paid ads um does it work across both the paid ads and displayed ads and the the native search if i'm using the right word there
1: yeah so it it can work across paid ads i think i think if most people are setting up uh I'm not like a PPC expert, but if I understand it correctly, you know, you've got these uh, single, uh, single keyword ad groups, right? Skags or something like that. So I mean, if those are set up properly, you're not going to have competition either way, but it can be helpful whenever you plus them together to figure out what page you should be targeting as the primary page for that keyword that you're bidding on. Um, that way it matches the search intent. So you're not trying to send somebody to a landing page when they're actually looking to learn about the topic um, or vice versa. If they're looking to, you know, I don't think most people usually send people from BBC to look to, uh, to info pages, but um, but yeah, the inverse would be true too. So yeah. I, plus,
0: I suppose with your pay aid ads, you could have a situation where you say, oh, here's 10 pages we'd like to send people to. And if you look at it in this way with this clustering, you'd find out, oh, only eight of those do we actually need to have ads for because these others overlap so much with one or that, that they're completely covered kind of in other ads.
1: Yep. And And I think too, you know, you would, depending on what you see that the search intent is, like what someone's actually looking for, it might inform you on how you may want to update that page if you are sending paid ads to it. To like, I wouldn't send paid ads to a page where someone's at the very top of the funnel, right? Like, and so you would be able to figure that out at scale and say, okay, let's pull the budget back from there and add it, you know, allocate it more toward, uh, you know, the the high converting, high intent pages instead.
0: Now, with software as a service, what you guys focus on. The, the top of the funnel is kind of really small. It's, yes. it's typically kind of, here's what we do, come to the page and sign up for it. Um, we have a software as a service, my company does. And a lot of the traffic is like, come to the registration page. Um, there's usually a, a freemium version uh, type thing. So it's a very quick, it's almost like an impulse buy with the software as a service half the time.
1: Yeah, especially with, with uh like free trials right where it's a mm-hmm. uh, where it's self-service the top funnel can be uh very uh very thin just because it's the barrier to entry is so low that being said there's the top funnel can get very wide depending on the business right so i mean wistia wistia's got top of funnel content um based around like how to shoot a video on an iphone right that that doesn't mm-hmm. even relate uh, like directly to their product right because their products for embedded video on on browsers. Um, but, that's that's a solid top of piece uh, top of funnel piece of content that builds that brand awareness and is very
0: deep. It's targeting um, the same i same audience the as the idea, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. yeah exactly. That's, less, that's what we're doing with me. this podcast. Yes, yep. <laughs> it's a podcast. We talk about B two B marketing. It's not about my company's a data company. It's not about data. It's not about lists. Um, but the listeners, for you listeners listening, yes, this is what we're trying to do to you. Um, hopefully. Yeah. You, you want to listen to Skylar here and then you say, oh, hey, the company putting it on Mountaintop Data. They, they sell data. Let me check them out. Um, so that's kind of a target the same audience, uh, Lone Ranger to sell whatever products you're selling in the commercial time uh, concept.
1: Right. It's cheaper than TV. So
0: <laughs> a lot cheaper than TV. Yeah. I, I'm telling you, you do not have to pay me as much as you do the cast of Friends. Right. Okay. Um, are there some pitfalls to watch out for when looking to do this kind of thing? Is there a specific technique to get, I mean, you, you've gone over it a little bit of, again, just imagine myself and the listeners are probably all in a similar boat. Um, and to the listeners that this always happens in episodes or some people are like, hey, I know I'm an expert in this particular thing. Great. Maybe the episode's not the best for you, but most of us probably topic clustering is not something we're very well versed in. Um, is there something specifically when looking to do this, uh, like any simple steps that can be done, any simple fixes and any simple pitfalls to look out for?
1: Yeah. So the, the first pitfall that comes to mind is if you try to do it based on your gut, you're probably going to run into problems. Um, it depends on how much content you're trying to, trying to evaluate, though. So if you're a small, very niche sort of, uh, you know, software company that's focused on one very particular thing, you're not going to run the problem as much as versus somebody like QuickBooks or somebody like Zero, right, that have this wide array or Zapier even. So... The pitfall is that when you're you're trying to select topics that you want to go after, a lot of people, when they approach the idea of content strategy, that's where the problem starts, is they think that content strategy is just picking topics and, uh, you know, throw them on a board saying, this is what what we're going to write content over, um, even if it does align with the business. I mean, you want to to make sure that if you're going to spend time, effort, and energy, like your budget creating content, uh, why not try to maximize the ROI that you can get out of it, right? So, Whenever you're doing this at scale, that's where it becomes difficult because the manual process of looking for that overlap of links does not like map well to, uh, uh, so hundred thousand plus keywords, um, or even a thousand keywords really, it, it, it takes a while. And so it could take you months to do it if you're going to do it that way. So because of that, a lot of people just say, all right, instead of getting locked in analysis browsers, let's just create content, throw it out there, see what sticks and we'll reevaluate later. Um, and that's fine. Um, it works. That's what a lot of people do. But um, if there is a way to do it better, why not do it more automated? Um, you know, more accurately. But are there
0: tools for that to do it in an automated fashion? Yeah. Like, is there a the, software as a service for this uh, <laughs>
1: specific yeah. thing? Yeah. So there's um, there's a we built one ourselves internally that we run for clients, but there's a few publicly available options too. Um, keyword Insights is one, um, and I believe. Keyword Cupid is another um, that can do this for you. Now they're, they're sort of uh, uh, bring your own data, right? So you got to do your own keyword research, bring them to them, put, um, put the data in, and, uh, and, they're, and they're great. They're, they work really well for, uh, for clustering things together. The, the problem that we, the reason why we built one internally ourselves was because, while well, it gave us the, the groupings, right? It groups all these keywords together and tell you, tells you basically how many pieces of content you need and, and how to put it together it never really gave us a good uh, a good sense of priority it's like okay we have this now but now where do we start you know right right we're going
0: to make our first piece of content we've made this venn diagram where we try to have the circles overlap as little as possible is that what you're doing (laughs) like try not to overlap the circles or as little as possible
1: yeah yeah that's that's you want to you want to you want to separate them so they don't overlap so they don't compete with one another but then you want to be able to prioritize where and, and this varies on like what your business goals are at the time right i mean if you're if you're a self-service SaaS, like that's you know like you probably need more free signups so you can get them to your funnel and then convert them into paid right but it also depends on what kind of self-service SaaS you are if you're grammarly you don't need more free trials right now you need more paid you know converting people from free trials to paid um but the inverse is true if you're a brand new tool that just comes out right so Yeah, think about, okay, now looking at these topics, how do we align that with what we're actually trying to accomplish as a business? Um, So you create all these
0: clusters. Maybe you've got mm -hmm. 20 of them. Maybe you've only got three, but then you need to decide which ones are priority, which, which are the most important. Once you know, and I imagine just looking at them, you can say, Oh yeah, this is what we want. Let's promote this more. What do you do once you know, which one's the priority? Is that saying, here's what we're going to create first content wise, or is there something else? You're, you're dealing yeah, with so, that.
1: Yeah. So now I'll, I'll say this. If, you, if you're working with three to 20, you're really going to be fine in terms of priority. Um, normally when we're doing it, like we're talking anywhere between a th- like a potential a thousand to like 5,000 topics that you can actually create right. it over. If you're looking at the total addressable market, right.
0: I'm, I'm going to reduce it to three to 20. Cause that's as many clusters as I can picture in my mind. Right. And then just say that the, the whole point here is content at scale. So you got to do three first and then you can scale from there. Um, if you can't do three, you probably should not attempt to do a hundred of them or something.
1: Right. So if you're, it's, if you're looking at three, and it's not so much about creating, it's about prioritizing, and put it in the right order, which mm. like, which ones do you want to create first? And uh, what we like to look at is like, what do you, what, like, where's the opportunity cost that? Like, if you create this now, how soon are you going to be able to rank for it? How much does it like benefit the business and its current strategy? But when you, when you actually have that party in place, it's just a matter of going and creating the content. I mean, uh, that part's fairly straightforward. I like to start with bottom of funnel content first. Um, I like to exhaust the bottom of funnel as much as I possibly can before I begin moving.
0: Bottom uh, of funnel, you're talking about content that's going to directly help sales close kind of. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Either, either direct,
1: like they're looking for, you know, if you're a time tracking software, that person has searched for, you know, uh, time tracking software with, uh, with GPS or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, if that's what you offer someone search for that like you can close them much you know much faster than if you were to just broadly talk about i don't know just time tracking in general right. um but i think you still need to balance out the funnel too so you want to ex- you want to balance it where it's maybe like an 80 percent bottom of funnel and then split the middle funnel and top of funnel um between the other pieces because you when you're looking at top of funnel from a brand awareness standpoint you you can usually get away with one or two pieces that are top of funnel because the, the volume is disproportionately higher there, right? So you don't need as many pieces to, to actually cover that versus what you do at the bottom of funnel where the actual search volume tends to be far less per month, but higher converting.
0: Right. Much that's more important specific. because those are probably people who were top of funnel and now you put in all that other work to get them there. Don't drop yeah. the ball now.
1: Yeah. I think that where a lot of people mess up when they go to create this content, though, is they, I think they try to approach bottom of the whole content with, like, you have to really know your audience and you just like talk to them. Don't, don't, uh, don't patronize them. Don't, don't say, ob- <laughs> don't say obvious things, right? I was reading an article the other day about the uh, KPI reporting dashboards and it was trying to tell me what KPIs were. And I said, you know, I wouldn't be reading about KPI reporting dashboards if I didn't know what a KPI was. Wait, right?
0: KPI, what does that stand for? i'm just kidding yeah, uh, if yeah, you are listening yeah, to the podcast yeah. you don't know okay keep <laughs> google yeah. it google it but uh yeah if you're talking to a cmo and you uh, try to whip out the definition just so you you know they know what you're talking about
1: they might yeah. not appreciate that even yeah it's a waste of their time i think yeah. you know it's, it's also uh,
0: kind of an insult to them at is. that point like if you're look if you're a beginning marketer or a small business owner and you're not familiar with the term okay google it but Um, you know, the CMO at Adobe is going to take it as an insult if you uh, assume they might not know that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And if they start the content out that way, I think it sets the wrong first impression because, you know, when you go to read content, at least at least me anyway, if it starts that way, I'm like, okay, what are the odds I'm actually going to learn something in this article? You know, like the takeaway and I'm gone. I'm looking for something else. You know, I'm looking for something deep and rich that's, you know, directly answering my problem. So
0: um, that's one of our recent episodes. It uh, will have aired by the time this episode airs. A couple episodes back was with uh, Carl Hughes, and we talk about marketing to software engineers. And it's very much this topic: saying, "Hey, you need to really know your audience, so you don't do this kind of a thing. Not just they're um, they're in IT, but you know, are they the CTO or are they an entry level developer? They're going to mm-hmm. have different. Uh, and we hadn't really this didn't really come up the the insulting them by giving in from unnecessarily low level information kind of in their career uh, type thing. Yeah. So when you're making that end of funnel um, bottom of funnel content, um, make sure that this will be an addendum to that episode, maybe Uh, stay away from, from that. You got to really know them, which I guess is why a lot of salespeople kind of want it when it, so software as a service, maybe you don't have the sales team that's closing for a lot of these products, but traditionally they don't really like marketing messing with their people because they might insult them. They don't know the the audience as well as a salesperson does, right. and they just they don't want them ruining the deal at the last minute by sending them some insulting creative or something.
1: Yeah, that's why marketing and sales needs to stay aligned, especially in any sort of sales assisted or sales heavy type you know product. Or um, because I think marketers can get the like content marketers especially can get the best information. Like they need to be talking to sales. They need to be asking them like what are the questions that people are asking you. Um, you know, like these are product experts, right? Like they know that they know the pains and frustrations of the customers. They know the product better than than most of the people, right? You, the content market can take that information and, and go create, you know, like sales enablement type content that those sales can then use. So they don't have to repeat themselves and over, over and over again. But ultimately that needs to pass through sales. I think before it gets published that way, you know, it doesn't, uh, uh, there's salesmen for a reason, right? And there's marketers for yeah. a reason. Let let, let, let the salesmen guide, guide that ship. So.
0: This is an interesting tangent, but it makes me think that the larger the product value, probably the the less connected sales and marketing are, and that might be okay. Like software as a service, freemium product, you don't even have a salesperson probably. Marketing is directing to a sign up page, they sign up, that's it. Um, when you get to a really high value product, the salesperson really, the marketers can't know as much about this customer as sales do because sales are talking to them directly it's like their every conversation is in marketing research interview Um, so they can try to integrate them and pass information between the two but you're never going to know as much as sales does and sales there's too much at risk for them and their whole job is they have to close so um, uh, it's never we've had this topic before and this has never quite come up um, so I think this episode we're gonna do a lot of addendums to previous episodes. Sure. <laughs> it's it's shedding some light on other topics here, maybe, but um makes me think, oh, it might be okay, depending on your business, that sales and marketing aren't integrated as much, because really it's kind of necessary for marketing to stay out of sales business when it's a large deal, because they're just there's too large of a chance they can mess it up and it's not necessary. To let sales handle it. Because it's a large enough value, also where sales is very hands-on. If you have a 99 cent a month software as a service product, or let's say a 5.99 a month, you can't even afford to have a salesperson close that. So, you know, marketing right. has the whole funnel. But the larger you get, the more you can afford the salesperson to handle it 100 percent. And maybe marketing provides content that the salesperson can then choose to use or not. But, yes. but marketing doesn't need to step
1: on those big deals. But so I think, like, if marketing is going to provide content that sales enablement, it really needs to be sales led to begin with. And marketing is just there as a fulfillment support role to create down. it. Yeah, yeah. So sales
0: it. says, "Give me this. Give me some graphics. Great. They approve it. They sign off on it.
1: Right. Okay. And yeah. The, the 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 to take it one step back further too. It's like. Have sales help marketing? Like, I think they should stay integrated as much as possible. But, but I still think everything is in direct support of sales. That's just the way I, I look at it. And, like, and I say that as a marketer, everything is in direct support of sales always. I, um, when I was uh, when I was a corpsman with the Marine Corps, everything was a direct support to the infantry. All of the MOSs in the Marine Corps were direct support to the infantry, right? And that's that's it, like, the same way with with, with sales. So. If marketing is going to create content that's that's help get, that's guided by sales, that's I think uh, what it, it's like it's, the ultimate goal is, is to help drive more actual like like SQLs to the sales mm-hmm. people, right? So I mean, it's like helps, it's the
0: opposite of Steve Jobs. Like marketing cannot be saying to sales, "You'll know what you want when I give it to you." Um, for that for that level of content, they have to say, I mean, "You have to yeah, tell me what you need, and I'll
1: create it." Yeah, I think it depends on the product. Uh, yeah, it, most people don't get that right. Uh, Apple's like a, like a side case. Right. But, uh, um, I think, you know, your average, uh, you know, Adobe or Gong or one of them, you know, I mean, the, the content doesn't always do it justice. Um, you know, versus like being able to get on a call with a salesperson and them really ask you like, you know, why are you even interested? Like, what are your problems? What are you going through right now? And to, you know, cater that, uh, that to you. So it's really hard to convey all that in content because it's so specific to the individual.
0: Right, which is why the, the salesperson is ultimately a piece of content themselves. Mm. I yeah. mean, they 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 are the in these larger scale products. So we have been talking a little bit, and just to remind the listeners, we're talking here about topic clustering, um, and topic clustering in in keywords and SEO in order to help you make content and make content at scale that doesn't compete with itself, kind of, um, where you're you're having all this SEO competition. Um, although would it be a bad thing if when somebody searches for a particular keyword there's three pages on your site that come up on the first page or so
1: no that'd be great (laughs) however only here recently has that begun to be more possible again um there for a while google pretty much made it where it was very difficult to rank two pages um, oh they would
0: like part of their algorithm excluded the same domain yeah yeah
1: it's um, it's it's going to shift a little bit. Um, it's kind of exciting for us because it's given us the opportunity to say mm, we could take sixty percent of this entire search page if we like, if we, you know, approach this the right way, which is damn near a monopoly. Um, you know, on that. keyword. Yeah. If you do it, I would so.
0: assume Google will try to keep it like the old way, though, because as a they generally want relevant results for the viewer and having one large company dominate the search results isn't really when I'm looking for something, I'm not yeah. looking for a bunch of stuff from the same company.
1: Yeah. It, it depends on, it depends on what you're searching for, right? If you, Obviously if you search for something directly related to that brand and you're not looking for reviews, you're actually looking for pages on that, on that company site. But right. what we found is, um, you know, if you look at, so like QuickBooks does this too. So sometimes if you're looking for like, an example I bring up is I was looking at the survey like ex, um, like expense report. Google's not real sure when you search for that whether or not you're looking to learn what is an expense report, how do you make an expense report do you want an expense report template right They're not sure like what you're actually wanting. And so what they'll do is they'll they'll put in different uh, pages from a site that cover kind of each of those angles. And if that website has three different pages covering all three different angles then Google will put one result at the top of what it thinks is the is the primary thing you're looking for, and then it will indent results um, directly underneath it from that same same domain of pages on their on their website that are similar. So maybe the template or um, you know best practices or something like that, or like you know what you what you need to make one. Um, but a lot of websites um, still have, they they they've gone this whole ultimate guide route where everything's all in one, and so they're not really getting that opportunity to do that, and that's. Google hasn't rolled this out across the board yet either. So um, we'll see if it stays in place. They just started doing this about 30 days ago. Um, they did it like several years ago too. So I'm not sure it's going to be a, a staple feature. But if it is, it will give brands a lot of opportunity to uh, to dominate uh, a large swath of the search results if they cover the topic and from different perspectives to satisfy different intents of what people may actually be wanting.
0: Right. And it also kind of feels like if you're able to do that, you probably don't have a lot of competition within that topic, um, you know, because they're they're basically filling in your stuff because they are going to have something in their algorithm that says if there's multiple different sites that have content on this, let's let's show them all because um, ultimately those those sites are their their clients as well. The searchers are, but the people putting the content. And if you let one person dominate it, um, then it's just it's not as good for the both sides of the customer.
1: Yeah, the, um, the most we've seen thus far was one page that had three indented links underneath it, so it was taking forty forty percent um, of the ten results. Um, probably very
0: for, niche with a dominant player to do something yeah, like that. Yeah, there was basically when people are looking
1: for stuff related to um, like we're talking like if you're looking for anything related to government, right? Like because it's going to be like the .gov site for that. You right. you'll see that, and then. Um, what we've seen more common, though, is where you may have three results that each of the um, each of them have an indented link, and so you'll have three domains that have two pages ranking on the first page, and I mean that's great for them. The unfortunate part is that the other pages that used to rank on the first page have now been pushed to the second, so hmm. they basically don't exist anymore, you know, because no one goes there. So, <laughs>
0: and all the top results are the paid ads anyway. Uh, So we discussed paid ads a little
1: bit. Yeah. And depending on the search, you can see like what, that's one thing you can look at too. When you go to great content is what percentage of the ads are being clicked on. So like certain keywords you can look and uh, maybe that uh, it'll show you that the paid ads get clicked on about 20% of the time. it's like, okay, well then let's create organic content around that. But if you see that the keyword that the ads get clicked on 80% of the time, I'll just put more budget in the the advertising.
0: I guess that's another topic, but it's don't compete your Regular SEO with your paid ads. Don't spend a bunch of time creating content for um, natural SEO when most of the clicks go to paid ads. Just put up a paid ad.
1: And- yeah, yeah. If if most of the clicks go to paid for that particular uh, that particular query, then maybe it makes more sense just to do paid. That being said, mm-hmm. if you're depending on the page that you're creating, if you can rank organically and rank um, in the paid results you double the odds that maybe your domain gets clicked on too. It just comes down to what's the effort going to take you to create yeah. that content, right? If the effort is low and the, and the value is high, then do it, right? You, I mean, the,
0: you say organic, I keep struggling and people are probably listening saying, why does he keep saying these weird, like, you know, natural SEO and stuff? Oh, I, yeah. I keep blanking on the right word, organic, organic, organic. SEO. Yes. Um, yeah. And then it comes back to priority. So when you're making these clusters, you might, and you're looking to prioritize, it seems, um, Correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like you're saying it's a good idea to also look at it and say, are people clicking on the paid ads or the organic SEO? Mm -hmm. Uh, Now I have a lot of time to make up saying it properly now, Um, or the organic SEO, and then prioritize that way. Because maybe, great, I don't have to create a bunch of content for this. It would be a waste anyway. Such a small percentage. I'm fighting for a small percentage of the clicks that I'm going to have to try hard to even get into everything's going to the paid yeah just put a little money in the paid ad spot and down prioritize that that uh content yeah we
1: so like when we do ours we'll look to see like what's the click-through rate ratio on um to to paid versus organic um what's the return rate where people go back and end up searching for this multiple times throughout the month um and then we look at what's the total volume across that entire cluster because a single a single main keyword could have 80 different variants. There's a lot of different ways to search for a thing, you know? And right. so, so we'll look across all of it and say, okay, what's that ratio of paid to organic across the entire set? What's the what's the return on this um, projected to be? And we also like to look at like, what's the cost currently too? Because if, even if it's like 50 or 50, 50, like we're going to do both because the long-term value of the, like compounding traffic that you can get from SEO versus paid is dramatically reduces your, your, your cost to acquire a customer. Um, and it isn't quite as much. Of Is a there a
0: cutoff where you're like, Hey, just focus on paid.
1: It's more like when you've, ex- whenever you've exhausted, like if you're doing this for content, you actually create content. It's more of saying, where does it make sense to not make the content? And so then you just prioritize it on what you do need to make. Right. Um, so you start if- out
0: and you're saying, we're going to go basically with the, the content that's the highest priority for our funnel and gets organic traffic. Um, so if you have two things that are close in priority, then you look at, well, what, which one actually gets organic traffic the most percentage-wise um, you're working around. So eventually you say, we'll get to the content where it's only 10% organic contract traffic or something like that. Um, so So it's really not a don't bother with that, focus on the paid, you're saying, but it's a, again, another way of figuring out the priority of what content to focus on first.
1: Yeah, and that's, so that's, we have our, like our priority score that we build does that automatically. So that like what filters up to the top is the things that you would, would actually want to go create content over. Um, and then you can just flip it in reverse too and see like, you know, where do you like, you know, like what's, what's perhaps like more lucrative from a paid standpoint too. You can just, you can look at it from two different angles. Um, hmm. But Why make a
0: paid actually, ad if most yeah. stuff is going to organic SEO? Yep. Um, that's a, that's another Great tip there. So I'm not—I know nothing about this Google Ad Search and all that kind of stuff. And I assume this applies to non-Google properties as well in search. But we could focus on the one 99% of the world uses. Right. Um, so when it comes to the the paid ads and looking at it and saying, "Oh, let's not let's not bother with this," you guys have your own in-house tool you've created that you said mm. a priority score, right? how do people figure out um, is it part of the google ad uh universe that that tells them what percentage of stuff goes or is that some sites and tools that tell them whether it's going organic
1: or paid yeah so you can use tools like um simrush or HRS or two that's are probably the most popular that will give you um and they're you know they're always estimates right it's not it's nothing's 100 perfect we got to work with what we have here but it gives you a rough ratio of you know what percentage of clicks go to ads versus what percentage of clicks go to organic, um, and it also uh, what's really interesting too is to see what percentage of um, searches don't get any clicks at all. You know, when someone searches for something like, um, uh, I don't know, uh, Joe Biden's age, right? Like they're they're just looking to get a quick answer, and then they're and then they're out of there. They're not going to click on any result because they get the answer right there on Google. Or if they're looking for, you know, what time is it in San Jose, you know. They're not trying to go to a web page to get that answer. So that's also useful to look at too, to see where you don't need to waste time creating content that no one's ever actually trying to get to your page for. It.
0: I wish I'd known this before. All my Biden age content is yeah, a total exactly. waste. <laughs>
1: yep.
0: I mean, that's a it's a great example. Funding, because people funding know what is it a good but example. Like when yeah. you're looking
1: at funding of a company and you want to see, you know, like like what's the what's the net, what's the uh, what's the revenue of a company or what's the stock price or what's the um, uh, what series are there or something like that if Google gives you that quick answer, people just want that answer and then they're back out of there. They may want to dig deeper and learn more about it. But, you know, if you're, uh, uh, even if you're looking at like best software for something, right? Like best project management software, you'll get the list on, the featured snippet on Google and you want to look to see how many people actually click that result to go to G2, to go to Captera, so on and so forth, you know, before you go trying to fight to great content to, to rank for that.
0: So is that something before you do any of this clustering, it seems like you should take every one of your keywords and check to see, is this something we should even be including? If it doesn't get any traffic, search traffic clicks, then why bother?
1: Yeah. So if you're going to do it manually, that's the yeah. I would I would check that. That, that way you don't waste time. Um, you know, trying to do an overlap. The way we don't have to do that because ours takes it into account as its clustering because so We would actually rather see everything and know, um, like, have that in our data set that that doesn't have a lot of organic traffic um, and have it sorted like accordingly more towards the bottom. Um, but yeah, no, so like we look at that, but if you're going to do it manually, yeah, definitely look to see what actually gets a high, um, high click through rate, uh, to the organic results, um, before you actually begin to compare the keywords to see, do they overlap? Does it need to be one page or two pages and so on and so forth?
0: Excellent. Excellent. Well, we've still got more to go over here, but uh, I want to take a quick break. We're talking with Skylar Reeves. He's the founder and CEO of ardent growth, talking about uh, how topic clustering can uh, create content at scale I guess, help you create effective content uh, at scale with topic clustering here. And uh, this is, of course, the If You Market podcast, and we'll be right back. Are you looking for new leads or always in need of quality contacts for your marketing campaigns? But list companies and online tools are the worst, right? Well, then you've got to check out Top Data Search by Mountaintop Data. At Mountaintop Data, we're a team of weird people that actually like getting our hands dirty with sales and marketing data and we specialize in business contact information. We compile and maintain a database of tens of millions of targeted, high-quality business decision-makers with emails, phone numbers, mailing address, and all the information you need. Go to topdatasearch.com and request a free account with the promo code IYM1000, like if you market the podcast here, and get a free account with unlimited searches, no seat fees, and 1,000 free Record download credits. That's topdatasearch.com. Welcome back to the If You Market Podcast. Here with Skylar Reeves and myself, Sky Cassidy. We got the two skies here today. Um, Skylar is the founder and CEO of Ardent Growth. We're talking about uh, how topic clustering creates content at scale. Uh, before we get back to that, Skylar, I'd love to dig into you and, uh, and Arden Growth. Can you uh before we get to it, let's start with you and then just work our way to Ardent Growth. Where do you come from and what is your kind of path to having your own your own firm doing this stuff?
1: Yeah, so I'm um, I'm from the middle of nowhere in Kentucky. It's about as about as far west Kentucky as you can get. Um grew up here, uh went and joined the military, ran around the desert for a while doing that whole thing, uh, got out, went to college, uh became a computer scientist, uh, was working in the transportation industry. Um working on routing problems out like algorithms my backgrounds in algorithms
0: is that logistics because we need you back there if that's the case yeah
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. um yeah we, we, we saw how to, how to get things uh where, you know where they needed to be efficiently with fewest resources possible but uh, uh never worked with with water transit so i'm not sure if i've got answers there but um worked in that and then the marketing department talked to me about uh, this algorithm and no one really knew how to crack uh, uh made by google and so, well, that sounds fun um, and it is a black box. It's, you know, you can't get a peek inside. So that's how that's I got into, I got into market originally was doing consulting, uh, still working a full-time job and um, realized that I really enjoyed, um, you know, I've created art for years and went to school for philosophy and computer science and marketing was actually this really interesting intersect of me being able to combine all of the things that I enjoy doing, creativity, writing, and computer science and put it all together in one place.. Uh, so let's so I fell into this world and I can't imagine Mark, Marketing
0: now. can definitely keep your brain busy in that it's constantly moving and shifting. You're dealing with human nature, which is impossible to just nail down and be like, yeah, now I can do this repeatable task. Um, there's just so little repeatable. and you're having to get up and rethink
1: stuff every day. There are small pieces that are repeatable, but yeah, I think uh, when you're dealing, when you add that human element to things, things become pretty unpredictable um, at least they shift uh, you know, too fast, unless you've got massive data, but yeah, hundred percent changes too much.
0: So then, so you're doing the consulting that eventually turns into ardent growth. Uh, once you get enough consulting, you're like, well, I, I guess it's time to shift out of my job and into this, uh, into this business. Is that kind of how you started the company?
1: Yeah, it reached the point where consulting was making me more money than working and actually working my full-time job was costing me money. So I was like, all right, I need to make this transition. So we founded the company. Um, and, uh, you know, that was always an exciting time to, uh, and scary, uh, you know, uh, to be like, all right, I'm leaving uh, my full-time job and going to go this entrepreneur thing, all right? So I uh, started doing that. Well, we worked It a lot. kind of
0: already succeeded at it. So it, couldn't, it wasn't that, like you're losing the security Like, what if something changes really fast? But, like you said, you were losing money doing
1: the job. Yeah, nothing's guaranteed, right? So it was a. um, uh, At this point, I was still really more of a computer scientist and not like, you know, I wasn't a marketer, I wasn't an advertiser. So it was, you know, I didn't even think at the time about how do I acquire clients right you
0: know? <laughs> wait i have to register a business now there's all this yeah. other stuff that that yeah. the uh the company you work for handles that suddenly is all on your
1: plate yeah you get to all of a sudden being an accountant and hr and everything and you know, then you realize all right i need to grow so i can hire people as fast as possible to do these things but um yeah so I started doing that and we worked a lot with small businesses originally that's i think that's how a lot of people start when they, when they start their own consultants or agencies um we worked with them for a while um and uh, after a certain period of time, after we'd taken some very small businesses and grew them to uh, like, like tripled and quadrupled the revenue to some extent, like uh, my business coach had told me, he was like, "I need." Uh, he looked at some of the software that we had developed internally for ourselves that was that was proprietary to us, and he said, "Please stop working with small businesses." <laughs> like the ROI, <laughs> it doesn't balance there. You can yeah. actually get- the, the the ROI and the I think the appreciation for what it does because they. Right. It, you know they don't really fathom. Uh, they haven't had to face these problems the way mid-market or enterprise has, and so, um, so he said, "Go, please take this up to mid-market." And so that's what we started doing. And right. he was right; it works so much better.
0: <laughs> it seems that um, the our topic today really isn't a topic from the small business client consulting area, in that it's about scaling. And the mm-hmm. small businesses, I mean, you want to scale your business, but you're not necessarily thinking, Hey, we have one piece of content for our one small niche thing we do. It it doesn't really apply so much to that one product, but a portfolio of products that are going to overlap and services that overlap and, and whatnot.
1: It's, it's fun when you do it to a small business. So to see, to see how they, uh, they scramble to, uh, to be able to maintain with it. We took a chimney sweep and, um, uh, I didn't know where chimney sweep was when I started working with them. I'm gonna
0: say, is that a real thing still? Yeah, yeah, it is. Like uh, Mary Poppins chimney sweep?
1: Yeah, they, yeah. They they go clean, service chimneys, and we have one in D.C. This small little shop in D.C. And uh, they were getting like 200 visitors a month uh, to their site during their peak season in like the August kind of December timeframe. And uh, they'll probably get about 50,000 people to their site um, like per month uh, uh, this year during their peak season. They, they got about 42,000 per month last year, and uh, like per month. And, you know, they were like, can't handle this much. Cause they were getting it from all over the country though, too. And I told them, I said, you need to set up a referral network and start referring these leads to people in Chicago and you know, hmm. Minneapolis and everyone else. But, You've uh, got the traffic so now, it's it's sell to it to the Kiminy yeah. Sweep Union or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah. it was uh, it was funny to watch them scramble, but uh, mid-market and enterprise can can actually take advantage of the data and, and really get a lot more value out of it than, you know, your average small business. Cause it's, it's, they don't have their infrastructure to scale with it. So. To be the right. diane.
0: and I, I can't imagine chimney sweep. Like maybe there's different designs of chimneys, and you need to s- fit for each one. I can't imagine the different uh, types of content that chimney sweep might have to attract uh, attract attention. I guess you have once you're in the industry, it's like an Eskimo with snow. They probably have fifty yeah. different words for soot.
1: Well, there's a lot of different uh, there's a lot of different problems people have. Uh, so for one of them, like one of their highest converting pages was uh, people searching for things like their gas their gas fireplace won't stay lit. Right. Oh. And right. yep. Yeah. And so, boom. Like they. I mean, they. That that single page last year made them a quarter million dollars, which is like that's that's a that's good for a small business for one page to do that. So. Yeah, but you've created this process, and you say,
0: "Oh, we can apply this to mid to large businesses. Yeah. Do the same thing, the same amount of work, but ha- now we're having tens of millions of dollars of uh, of impact instead yeah. of tens of thousands of dollars of impact. Exactly. Um. Yeah. Okay. I see that. And the whole point of the clustering is you need a lot of the more products and product um, kind of uh, spread. I guess you have. You'd say. Yeah. Then the more useful, the more necessary this is.
1: Yeah. The more the the larger your your total addressable market is, the better. QuickBooks much larger, right? Like their addressable market much larger than something like um, sauna right mm-hmm. i mean it's you know they kind of have some overlap when it comes to tracking projects and things like that but quickbooks ultimately does invoicing does expensing does you know taxes accounting but you know like much much larger and then you you go up beyond that too i mean into things that uh that with like hr i mean you, you can get very very far reaching um, just depends on what your addressable market is right the and more product
0: anybody... spread you have the more the more important this stuff uh that this actually becomes so let's, let's get over to ardent growth now. Um, I mean, people have a general idea of what you guys do, because we've been talking about it this whole time, but can you give us, uh, you know, almost your elevator pitch of, Hey, here's what we do and why, and, and why people should use ardent. I mean, not an actual elevator pitch. We can do that later, yeah, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> getting into specifically uh, infomercial style. Um, what's ardent growth do for, for people?
1: We take business intelligence. We apply it to content marketing so that you can get the, like the most return out of your investment when you go to execute content strategy. Um, that's that's the general gist of it. Um, we maxim, we like we focus on ROI. Like we're ROI like first versus just brand awareness first. So. We work best with large sites that already have a ton of content. They want to get more value out of what they already have. Um, it works for startups as well, but you have a lot steeper of a hill to climb against incumbent competition.
0: And are you guys focused uh, specifically on this one as far as you're, the products you offer? Um, marketing, uh, consulting type work. Is it—is it this one area you're working in with the SEO and the paid average, the search Kind of optimization, I guess you'd say, or do you have a whole array of marketing consulting products?
1: No, we, we simply are focused on content primarily. The uh, our whole our whole belief was is that uh, you need to master one thing if you try to master it like a bunch and um, like PPC is is a, is a whole another world, right? And so we tell people when they want when they want PPC, I'm like you need to go to a, to an expert, like someone who that's exactly what they do. Well, so um, we've we talked about
0: around. paid advertising a little bit. But you're, that's not. You guys not, will, yeah. will say, like, don't bother, or yeah, maybe go to your yeah, paid well, advertising people for this particular cluster, but you're not doing the paid advertising stuff.
1: Right. Like if if they want content from organic, if they're wanting traffic from organic and they want to rank on Google, that's what we help them do. If they want paid advertising or they're wanting, you know, social media types that we send them, you know, we're like looking at you know, work with an expert who that's specifically what they focus on. Hmm. Um, keeping it with Google's algorithm is is tough enough. Full time job. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> With the or- again, organic, I got to keep saying that so people forget that I kept butchering it earlier. With um, no, the organic search. Right. So that's your guys' niche. But the this topic, um, this topic of topic clustering for content at scale, is, I would imagine, part of the overall organic search work that you guys do it doesn't you don't just do this or you you're doing kind of handling the organic search um overall and this is one one niche within that
1: yeah it's sort of the thing it, it's the foundation because it, it tells us it's the collection and organization of all the data to figure out how do we actually want to execute this campaign so we start with it like without it almost without it you're shooting in the dark so i mean this was a problem that we kept facing over and over again. Um, when it came to like, how do we plan out content? How do we do it effectively? How do we make sure it doesn't compete with one another? How do we get the most value? What's, you know, uh, you want to maximize, re- you know, return for your investment and, that, and everything else. And we got tired of guessing and we got tired of doing it based on gut. We have reading blog posts from HubSpot and everyone else. It's like, you just picked your hubs and you picked your spokes. And I'm like, yeah, but how? How do you do this? Mm-hmm. And how do you do it? So scale? you were kind
0: of working down through the process and you kept saying, wait, we can go deeper. We can go deeper. We can go deeper. Yeah. And eventually you got to this clustering practice and kind of created it um as as the the base starting point the foundation for everything else you do
1: yeah it became a skeleton key honestly for everything else there were so many things that we did for clients previously that um you know it might have been like 80 percent there maybe it took a little bit longer but once we did this we did it with the sole purpose of figuring out how like how do we actually like know which keywords are going to compete with one another but then once we did it it unlocked so many different like possibilities for us. We kept just finding more and more utility for it. We kept, we were able to see not only what content to create, but what content needed to be updated on the site, what content needed to be, um, you know, slightly tweaked on the site, what content wasn't worth creating. it, the entire content strategy process is really what it simplify, uh, simplified for us. It showed us where we could create content and we didn't have to necessarily focus on building links to it mm-hmm. things like that. So
0: I feel like you're looking at the SEO project and it's this giant tree with all these limbs on it and or, or maybe a maze with all these different paths you can go down. And with this strategy, you can kind of see the whole thing and see what path you need to go down and which ones are dead ends. And without it, you're doing the marketing trial and error Yep. But like this allows you to see, no, you don't need to test like marketing. We test everything. Just do it all and test it all. And you're like, well, at some point you have too many things to do. It doesn't matter if you're Superman, you can't do them all. You're going to, you're going to lose just from sheer sure volume. So if you can know which limbs to trim or which paths not to go down ahead of time, suddenly you can focus on the things that actually have an end point
1: yeah it's the the key is focused and the key is not forgetting there's an opportunity cost for everything that you test that you don't test something else like you have to think about what the cost is of not moving on that sooner would be and so until you're able to see the full picture it's it's a lot harder to make those decisions right and that's that's again my background is computer science i don't like doing things by gut i I like i like to put math to things i like to solve things algorithmically as far as i possibly can there's a there's a point at which Mm -hmm. You have to take your experience and apply it to it as well. You know, you you take the data, you take your experience, put them together, and you get good results. Um, but for us, you know, we said there has to be a better way. Like, there's got to be an algorithmic way to do this. And that's
0: right. And that you said something earlier when we were talking before the break about um, priority scores for these clusters. And that's working in data. I love scoring. Like we score everything to because it informs you on what actions to take. If you have two paths, if you know there's a fork in the road and you got to choose a direction, you just choose one at random. But if they had scores in front of them, oh my yeah. God, does that help? <laughs> Give me a yeah. score and say, hey, this one has a higher probability or a higher importance level than the other. You're like, awesome. Let me focus on the highest priorities first or the greatest chance of success first. Can you talk about that priority score uh, a little bit?
1: Yeah, so... The first, like when we first developed our topic cluster, we were like, great, we have the topic cluster now. But then we were left with, you know, you're looking at half a million keywords. Exactly. Or like,
0: Sort them alphabetically and work on the first yeah, cluster first, yeah. like just exactly. grab one at
1: random. Exactly. We were like, okay, but where do we start? Right? Like how do we actually, you know, make this, you know, you eat the elephant one, one bite at a time, so to speak. So a lot of people, you know, would take it and just say, okay, sort of by like, what's the, the volume, put in pivot table, sort of by volume and start from a volume first standpoint. I don't like that. I don't think it's a, uh, I think volumes a vanity metric for the most part, I like conversions. I like, I like, I like money, I like revenue coming in, you know? So, um, so what we did is we said, okay, what would be the indicators that could inform a score to help us prioritize this. I started looking so at They were using
0: things. a KPI to have a throwback here. Um, yeah. But it wasn't necessarily the right one or the most useful one.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's useful at all. Really like the, you know, people who search for expense reports, you know, like or expense report templates, right? They're not necessarily looking to uh, to buy software. They're wanting the template, they're actually wanting Excel template um, based on our research. And it's like is that the best thing for what was to go off go after. It could be if they could position themselves as being a much easier alternative, you know, you know, exacerbate the frustration with an Excel template or something like that. But ultimately uh, going after something like expense reporting software is a lot more lucrative, right? It's the, the time to close is a lot faster than uh, uh, than the template would be. So
0: you could have a peripheral um, cluster basically that gets a lot of traffic, but it's yeah. really peripheral to it's this side branch that doesn't close very often, basically. Right
1: yeah it's uh people searching for it right like it may get a lot of volume but they're not looking to buy they're not they're not right. your um it's it's not a product market fit
0: right? it's it's so, the 80 20 rule and you're looking at the 80 and saying hey this is the bigger number you're like well you're looking at the wrong number here buddy look at the look yeah, at the revenues you exactly. bring in
1: exactly Focus on the 20 so so what we that we said okay how do we develop priority score for this like what 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 is the best content to create? And the best content to create is the content that has this balance between the potential to get organic traffic, the, the high potential for conversions, and that's easiest for you as a website to actually rank for um, in the fastest way possible. So, so you, that's a you lot
0: guys of- are working with large firms at this point, right? Yeah, yeah. And so they not they're not dealing with ten different content thing, things. They need to create content for you've got so many things to create content for. You can never finish creating content for all of them. So yeah, the prioritization becomes really important.
1: Yeah. The, the priority becomes important. And the, especially when they're trying to go into new product lines or they're trying to break into new markets, it's also helpful for uh, like programmatic plays, like where you've got tools like Zapier, right? That map their software interfaces with, with a lot of different tools, right? That it can be helpful when, when there's, when it's a very one to many relationship. Yeah. Hmm. Um, but, we
0: see this with software development. Sometimes in my company, we'll look at maybe a function within our software yep. and we'll say, well, how long is this going to take to develop? Because if it takes this long to develop, then it's actually going to be obsolete by the time we finish it. No yep. point in even starting it type of a thing. So if you don't prioritize properly, you could be making content that is is um, irrelevant or just irrelevant by the time you even finish it.
1: Yeah, there's there certain things, uh, uh, you know, the drive principle, the, the don't repeat yourself only applies um, if, if it's still going to be re- you know, relevant in the future. So, yeah, no, it's a, uh, what what we did to look at priority, though, is we said, okay, you can take basic metrics, like what's the potential for traffic? What's the average, like, what are people bidding on this for, right? Because if people are bidding on it from an ad standpoint, it probably has a decent conversion value. Um, otherwise, and we're, we're looking at it like annualized too, so. Uh, so you look at like what's what's the cost, what are people willing to pay for this traffic if they're going to pay for it from advertising, what percentage of this traffic tends to go to organic, um, and then you want to look at what's your actual conversion rates or your own website. So we plug that data in to figure out what parts of your funnel tend to convert and at what rates so that we can begin to build forecasting models from it to, to identify, okay, looking at this cluster, here's how much value is here potentially, but based on your own conversion rates and where you could rank for it, here's what your value would be as well. And then we balance that out with things like what's it cost you to create content, what's it cost you to create links, you know, that way you can actually, you know, take a, uh, you know, take a revenue minus cost to get what the, uh, what's your, what your gross margin would be from it. Um, so that's the way we plot it out is to figure out like, what's the actual ROI, like, mm-hmm. but then one thing that we, um, that we added to it to make it, to make it even better was there's this one factor that just because the cluster is organized that way doesn't mean that you can rank for it quite as well as a large company right so um we do this anytime we're working let's say we're working with 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 men market businesses that are trying to go up against a a large incumbent um you know the large website they there's this concept of domain authority where you get all these links people reference and cite your website as an authority and google begins to rank you higher because they trust you more and for a new player and like onto the scene, like uh, imagine Canva, um, you know, five, six years, uh, five years ago or so, like they had to create that velocity over time. And so, um, what we're able to do is we're able to look to see how Google is already perceiving um, your topical authority, what you're ranking for, so that sometimes we don't always go after the highest, um, the highest like potential revenue content topics first, but we go after the ones that have the shortest time to actually realize right. that potential value. Because again, we're always thinking about opportunity cost because uh, we don't look at it from an account standpoint, we look at it from an economic standpoint. Yeah.
0: So you're trying to balance that low-hanging fruit, quick, easy win versus the long-term large value and do a little picking right. and choosing, and again, the scoring. So basically, yes. Google has their black box for all the algorithms and everything for putting this stuff and You guys are like, oh, yeah? we're going to create our own for scoring what we should even work on with yours.
1: There's a still definitely a black box. What we did uh, very different from everyone else that's tried to approach this is that we said, instead of trying to reverse engineer the black box, we said just treat it as as like a ML problem where we know what the output is. And then we're, we're we're looking backwards at it to say, how do we get there from that? Um, And that's, that's how ours worked. It's been, it's been very effective so far. Now, I mean, if Google were to, radically change the way that they handle search well then we'll figure out something then you know but it also
0: seems like you've created a process to prioritize based on the results you're getting and all these other you know you're looking at certain factors so whatever they were to change you can still apply that process i mean not whatever but it's like i said earlier uh marketing is constantly changing so you have this issue of this moving target this this problem to solve constantly but if you create a process that looks at what's going on that you can just keep applying to over and over again, then, uh, you know, an algorithm, that's whole point of it sure. is you have constantly changing variables and it just, and then it's adjusting itself to figure out your scoring to prioritize to, so maybe it's not always perfect, but it's a hell of a lot better than the guessing going with your yeah. gut, um, from, from the get go. This makes me think of, uh, talking about the constantly changing market, um, and the value to you guys might be more to midsize than large businesses, even in that the resources you have are limited as a midsize business. You can't say, great, let's create all this content at once. So you really need sure. to prioritize more. The small business doesn't have so much to create. We're going to create 10 pieces. Um, the large business just can create it all simultaneously to some extent. The midsize business is, is kind of caught in between, and you're saying, we got to create this. Here's the time frame where it's even relevant. So we we can't eventually get to it all. The marketing is constantly changing. We have to then figure out, we can only make, you know, it's a salesperson saying, we can only make 50 calls today. Which ones are a priority? Because I got 2000 in front of me. Um, great. Prioritize them, hit the important ones. It, it reminds me somewhat of um, when I first moved to LA, I said, awesome. I'm going to learn to surf. And so I bought a surfboard and I went out there and I was constantly paddling to get into a wave. Um, And then I've missed the wave and then I paddle back out. The next wave would come. And as soon as I saw one, I'd start paddling like hell again and just, and eventually I'm exhausted and I just accomplished zero. Didn't even have one wave. I was able to try to get on because I wasn't starting paddling early enough because the, the opportunity passes you. And, and I'm sure plenty of companies have created products, have created marketing stuff, where it's like by the time they finish it, it's no longer relevant. It doesn't apply to the situation anymore because it just takes you too long to... So I, I see this priority scoring as a way of saying, great, um, now we can focus and get the most important stuff that's going to have the biggest impact done first. How often do you guys rerun this in order to make sure... Um, I mean, if you run it once, I imagine, then there's a hundred pieces of content to make. You kind of have to, you can't finish all the, have them finish all those, then rerun it because halfway through they may have, it may have been a different ball game now.
1: Yeah. So we can rerun it um, really as many times as we need to, we're usually going to do it at least probably once a quarter. um, Just because over time, Google search results, uh, not only do they change, but the intent behind the results change. Um, And when that happens, Uh, Like when people people may be searching for something like um, uh, project management tools, right? And maybe what they're looking for at that point in time, when you look at all the top results, it's all list type pages of like the top 10, the top 25. Um, But then over time, the the intent behind that query may change because Google is constantly adapting their algorithm to what people are actually looking for. Maybe the intent shifts to something like, you know, um, like cheap or free. PM tools, right? And so then you have to pivot. So we run at least once a quarter, we can run it as often as we want. Um, that's one of the thing that, that like, I was very adamant about whenever we made this thing was that we wanted to be able to do it as quickly as possible, even like with, you know, hundreds of thousand keywords, uh, some of the publicly available options out there um, that I've tested. Uh, you can, you can say feed it, um, um, like 10,000 keywords and, uh, it'll take, uh, uh it takes several several hours to actually get you the results back Um, and that's fine I guess if that's your scale but we uh, we can run about 10,000 in like just a few minutes clustered together so anytime we do have to pivot rerun it we can do it very quickly Um, and it's good to do it very frequently even 30 days too because then you can see where the work that you've already done is beginning to fill holes in the gaps that you had because whenever we run this you get the output you'll see these clusters and you'll see we'll uh, tell you where you're ranking currently for some of this content and where you're not ranking for, for some of this content so as you run it again the next time you're able to compare and see what what gaps are you beginning to fill in and how much of the of, of that you know um, serviceable and or addressable market are you beginning to uh to capture and we also look at where your competition is ranking as well so we can get an, an idea of how much are you Uh, how much you're actually capturing from them and taking away from your competitors. And that's why it really does, like you mentioned, work better for like mid market because they are resource limited, right? They want, they need to get the most value as they can out of what they have. And they tend to be a lot more agile um, in terms of getting things. More
0: important for mid market
1: in that if you're a billionaire, you don't really need to do a
0: weekly uh, budget of your expenses probably. And how much am I spending on groceries and stuff like that? Um, It just, It becomes more so we're we're getting to the end of the episode here and it dawns on me from what you're talking about that when we're talking about things constantly changing in marketing so you you run these you score the things so you know what to focus on first the priority so you can get the low-hanging fruit while it's still low-hanging not only is the market constantly changing and your competition also constantly changing it's like this isn't a one-person sport here you're you're on a moving field but what you're doing is also changing the results. So if you're being very effective in your content and then you rerun this scoring, you could find out that your, your own efforts have, have adjusted how everything's working, not just all your competition, but I guess part of the whole point of this clustering is you're competing against yourself and you're trying not to. Um, so right. when you rerun it, you could see, oh, this isn't necessary anymore because this was so successful or it's actually eating up all of this and, and, and that kind of stuff. Um, So I hadn't, it's almost like sociology, you're sitting inside the tribe of your own marketing and affecting it. And the more effective you are at your marketing, the more it's going to change um, all your scoring and everything and, and where everything lands.
1: Yeah. The, the only thing that, that we would like to come up with a good way to, to make it even better is to. Sort of thinking about like sentiment analysis when it comes to customer data um, and customer feedback and really getting more um, right now we have to kind of look at it from a broad level when we're saying like, how does content convert um, and use that as a heuristic to, to see like what resonates with customers. But I would love to get um, uh, to start implementing more and more uh, customer data into this thing. Um,
0: right. To, under, uh, to map it to the journey.
1: That way we understand is this, is this piece of content? Uh, if I look at this keyword, is this a, is this a problem aware solution aware type person? Like how do we need to think about how does this maps to the customer journey? But
0: Right. Those are tough variables to, I mean, you'd yeah. have to integrate to their CRM and then get their yeah. sales to enter stuff or something. Probably. Um, That's, that's a tough one. I, I could For, see yeah. why that would be.
1: Yeah. Chat-, chat logs yeah. is, is probably the, the, the more efficient way I think to mm. do it. So
0: Yeah. Well you, I'm, I'm just poking around in the dark, trying to guess on yeah. what that might even mean. Anyway, that's, Um, awesome. This has been a great episode. Um, how topic clustering creates content at scale. I think we touched on a wide variety of stuff all around this. I loved it. Uh, listeners, you can find uh, Skylar on LinkedIn. Um, I don't know, just search his name on LinkedIn. I feel like I say this almost every episode. I I get into wanting to say where to find you, then I'm like, you just put his name in. Uh, Skylar leaves on LinkedIn, of course. If you market.com, we'll have the show notes, we'll have a link to him there. And, um, as well as ardentgrowth.com that'll be in the show notes. Anything else, anywhere else you want to you want to send people, Skyler?
1: No, those are those are about the only two places I'm I'm active, so that works with with me, Sky.
0: Excellent. I feel like you may be one of the only Skylers in uh, I think you said Kentucky or Kansas.
1: Oh, in Kentucky, yeah. Kentucky, I, I know it's no, a K State. <laughs> yeah, I think there's only I've only met uh, like two others in my life, so.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm in California, and I've only I only had one other Skyler or Sky in my hometown, Uh, and that's California. We got a bunch, just a bunch of hippies out here. You think there'd be a lot more? So I can only imagine in Kentucky, there's not a there's not a ton of them.
1: Not not a lot, not a lot, but it's it's okay. Yeah, like we mentioned, we don't like uh, competing with our name. It's 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 weird. Yeah,
0: that way you don't you don't have to create a um uh you know a, a cluster. (laughs) <laughs> for, right, for yeah. competing with the name uh yourself and i i heard what you were getting into i'm sorry i cut you off it is weird when you have a name that you don't meet other people to have it you feel like you own it yeah I, I felt weird having you on the show because i was like can't have him on the show that's <laughs> my name like, right and then you meet johns and kevin's and they don't have that feeling around their name because they knew a ton of johns and kevin's growing up
1: Yeah, no, hundred percent. The and it's one of those names that I don't say very frequently because I don't know many people named it. So even when I do say my own name, it always sounds weird coming out of my own mouth because I just don't say it very often. (laughs) All
0: right. Well, uh, if you want to, yeah, if you want to find more Skies and Skylers, check on LinkedIn for both myself and uh, Skylar Reeves of uh, of Ardent Growth. If you're looking for uh, someone to manage your Google Ad uh organic seo check out arden growth for that and uh, on behalf of the ify market team and skylar reeves of arden growth thank you for listening to the ify market podcast where we believe if you market the shit out of it with topic clustering they will come